0: Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We're your hosts, Ken Seymour, Richard Geiger. The mysterious, the wonderful, the amazing, all of those things you see in comics that I always wish I was.
1: The hot and sweaty, because it's 95 degrees with 100% hum- humidity <laughs> and just disgusting outside. Oh, yeah. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, still 85 degrees outside and it's 11 p.m. So, uh, welcome to Indiana weather.
0: Yeah, it's a little little awful. And we decided at 11, well, first of all, to record an episode.
1: That's my fault, by the way.
0: But also to record it in my studio that I put together. That is insulated.
1: (laughs) Keeps the warmth in place.
0: (laughs) That it does. Um, So, this is going to be a new series that we're starting. uh, A little bit different. Well... Moder- similar. moderate similar but a little different from what we've done before you know we've done the history of comic book in film at this point um, we are going to start along the road of the history of comic strips and comic books in television we're gonna we, we kind of left out all the comic strip stuff before and we kind of ignored animated you know we're gonna open it up anything that's based on a comic strip or comic book still falling into the realm of english-based materials. Jeez. Uh, but, uh, but TV show, right? TV shows. So we're going to kind of go over all of that stuff. And this is going to be a little more expanded from what we did before. Um, we, we had so many films to go through because they started in the late 1800s and we felt that it was more important to talk about, you know, who was it and what it was and try and get through it as quick as possible. If we saw what we thought of it, um, but we kind of tried to get through it as quickly as we could so it wouldn't take us forever to get through it. But I feel like we maybe lost a little bit of context, a little bit of some of the cool stuff that went along with it. So I think we're going to slow down for this just a bit.
1: Well, when you talk about source material and you look at even some of today's most popular characters, the source material is super old and as it's gone through different iterations, and as people listen to our podcast one week and then a month later we may talk about the same thing, it's good to have a little bit of that information be present just to know, hey, this was based off the thing we talked about and it was from 1950. You know, So it, it's a good just bit of info to have in place. Yeah,
0: no doubt about that. Now before we get started along this road of history and awesomeness, I do want to just kind of start by saying, hey, there were a few things that we did miss on our history of comic book film. Um, As I'm constantly researching and adding things to the database and all of that, um, occasionally I stumble across some things that I didn't realize I had not included. Um, So we're not going to go over exactly what it was and what we thought of it and all that other stuff. But I am just going to give a quick shout-out to a handful that we did miss. Uh, one uh, was the uh, Team Thor short films that came out in 2016. Uh, well, 2016 through 2018. Uh, there were three pieces to it. They were all very short. Uh, they kind of associated with films where Thor was not present. And uh, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just kind of silliness.
1: He needed a roommate. That's right. But if you have the Disney Plus subscription, you can watch all of these.
0: That's right. Uh, similarly, in 2019, there was Peter's to-do list as he prepared for his trip overseas. You got to see him take care of his things that he needed to do before he left. It's silly and fun and simple, but it gave a little context. And uh, it was uh, it was just fun. And you got to see some actors that were in the film as they recorded these small piece, you know, five-minute video. Basically.
1: Now that one, no, you cannot watch on Disney Plus. No,
0: definitely not. Um, similarly, uh, in 2021, Deadpool and Korg React. That's just kind of a five-minute, just silly thing. Uh, so, you know, that that would be why we missed those. They're small, and they're technically short films, and they're sort of available, but sort of not. But, you know, it's whatever. But we actually missed two feature-length films based on graphic novels that came out in 2020. One was called *The Empty Man*, based on a graphic novel from Boom Studios, and the other was *The Last Days of American Crime*, based on a graphic novel from Image. Um, we may go through that in more detail at some point, but uh, it's mostly just mentioning that. Oh yeah,
1: there were those things. There's a few more in uh, you know 2020, which was just a a rough year for films in general.
0: Right. Right. So that's kind of I think why we missed that one. But let's let's get into the nitty gritty. So let's talk about television. Now, when we were talking about films, it's pretty simple. We start with the history of films. What is a film? Do you count the the really early versions where they put individual still frames on a, a rotating uh, circle that they then used the essentially uh, bicycle pedal to to create the motion which I don't count those as film. I you know think that there should actually be film as the first film but that's just me.
1: I mean everybody's opinion could be a little bit different on that right
0: right so not not a big deal but still that's late 1800s where that starts. TV, however uh, took a little longer to become a thing. it wasn't until 1928. That the first uh, television program was released. Um, now I don't know if you're familiar with this at all, Richard. Uh, but uh, so there, you know, everybody thinks you now uh, of ABC and NBC and you know Fox and CBS. You know, those are the big channels. Well, of course, those didn't quite exist <laughs> at the very beginning. Not yet. No, no. So uh, WRGB in New York was the first television station. Uh, back in the day and so they started their first show in 1928 now technically uh the soviet union at the time had was also dabbling in television they were doing that as back as far as 26 but they didn't have a television station as such um, and there are some other stateside stuff where they were playing with the number of lines in that you could get on a mm. television screen that sort of thing But the actual, we broadcast this, and it's a show. That was 28. Um, So you would think that it would be fairly quick that there would be some television shows based on properties from comic strips or comic books. Because it sure didn't take them long to get that into the films. Well, uh,
1: something happened in the, you know, 20s. Yes, yes. The Depression. Yes. And then something happened in the late 30s and 40s that slowed people's spending tremendously. Yes. Um, But then after that, there was a resurgence, right? So there was a lot of uh, folks returning from the war and they had pockets full of cash if they survived. And started businesses and it was a time of flourishing building and buying and all that type of stuff so i think because what we're talking about doesn't start until around then it kind of makes sense from a right you know for just from a money standpoint and what people could actually have discretionary spending on because a tv in the 40s and 50s was probably pretty darn expensive. Yeah. And, big then, luxury. and then what were you getting from that TV? I mean, who was making shows? News. There's news. probably news. Yeah. That was probably one of the big ones. Uh, but I feel like a lot of people still got their news from the radio. Yeah. And their entertainment from the radio or the newspaper.
0: Yeah. Radio programs maintained popularity for quite some time. Um, and a lot of uh, that may be a, a future thing that we do. Uh, radio programs based <laughs> on comic properties. Probably not. But uh, (laughs) I can think of one. That's right. So, but the first actual television program based upon a comic property that I can find at this moment from my initial research. I mean, that may change. (laughs) It will come through a, a later episode. It's like, you know how I said it was 1950. Well, I actually found this other thing. But at the moment, 1950 is the first television show based on a comic property. Now, the fifties were an interesting time. Um, this was the point uh, that the Korean War was happening. Correct. So lots of wars all around for everybody, and not just the Korean War, but this was the point at which the Red Scare was a, a really, a really big thing. So are you, are you a, a red? Are you a commie? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a little bit of paranoia going around
1: everywhere. Paranoia it will destroy you.
0: <laughs> that it will. Um, I mean, what was it, 52 that we detonated the first hydrogen bomb? I mean, so, I mean, we were we were starting down that, that
1: destructive road. Well, and it's all post-World War II. Right. You know, it was like, we're going to divide up uh, Europe. Here you go, Russia. Here you go, other Europe. And, like, the Russian... You know, I mean, we can we can talk about it now because we're kind of trying to do the same thing. But like the expansion for them at the time was even bigger than getting rid of the Nazis. It was like we get to get rid of the Nazis and we get to take land. Yes, let's do that. And then it just became a showdown of technology and willpower from the Cold War that just lasted for, you know, 30, 40 years. Right, so that that
0: created a, a, a specific environment that kind of fostered certain types of of fiction to be written, and that's really that, that that affected a lot of things. Some of it is is things that we still see in our source material to to this day, and some of it's uh, changed slightly a little bit.
1: Fiction and technology, you know, little things like the race to the moon, right? Right. You know that if, if there was no Cold War, would there have been? Quite the fight at the time to create something to get someone to the moon. Maybe, but not not with that such of urgency. I don't think. No,
0: no. But that really is kind of where we start in a certain respect. The very first uh, program is going to be Buck Rogers from 1950. Now, Buck Rogers is an interesting sort of um, an interesting sort of thing. That was this was a um, a comic strip obviously, that ran it in just a ton of papers. Um, if you are not familiar with this, so this is this is like early science fiction. So the Buck Rogers character uh, was in the war in his time, and he after the war was ended, he, he went to be a miner, and there was an accident in the mine, and this gas was released, and he was suspended in suspended animation, and he wakes up, After like an earthquake or something In the year 2459 And You know So he has to prove who he is He's got his little GI button And all that sort of thing And you know who the enemy is Uh, (laughs) Hundreds and hundreds of years later Well uh, It's basically the Chinese
1: (laughs) Fair enough It's not But it might as well be um, I mean, if you played the the fallout games if you played fallout 3 you know you part of it was the the war that had happened with the Chinese so yeah
0: it was the the, the source material I mean it's it's a product product of its time now the the original thing came out in in the 30s uh 29 specifically yeah. but it uh you, you, once you understand that and it has that that early kind of, I don't want to call it. Um, well, it, it kind of was, it's just, a, a early bit of, um, classism and racism <laughs> just kind of baked into it.
1: Uh, well, it, you know, we, we did a TV show swap some time ago and one of the shows, uh, you can, I think it's still on HBO. Um, was kind of about the late 1800s, you know, early 1900s, and the expansions of the railroad, and all the 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 Chinese folks coming in, who basically did all the work to build the railroads, and how they were oppressed, and everybody hated them, and they they tickered. jibs, you know, like there was a whole hatred for them, right, at the time that just you know expanded into. The, the media that was available it expanded into a, a, a lot of things and there was a lot of folks from china that came here in the late 1800s early 1900s trying to better themselves from where they were so it, it makes sense that at the time like you said when this was created in what you said the 20s that a lot of that kind of story carried forward right and so when i say that it's kind of like that the the
0: the people that came out of the Gobi Desert to conquer basically the world were called the Mongol Reds. Mm. Can't really get any <laughs> more on the nose than that. Mongol Reds. Yeah. So it that was what it was. Now that doesn't mean that this was a, a terrible um, source material. It's it's been interpreted more than once over the years, and it, as each time that it has a new iteration it filters out a little more <laughs> of that. A little bit. That sort of thing. Uh, so if you look at, when, because Buck Rogers came out in, uh, in a film in the late 70s that we talked about briefly. Uh, so, I mean, it's...
1: it's Yeah, so we're still talking in like the 50s because we'll... Right. Um, there was another iteration of a television show for Buck R- Rogers like years later, right? Like 20 years later, 30 years later? Right. So... I can't honestly say that I've. I, I'm sure I've seen that one, but I couldn't tell you a little, a single bit about it. I mean, because I'm old.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the the thing to remember is this has a certain sheen to it. It's it's kind of like I said, early early sci-fi kind of in this particular medium in the comic strip and early sci-fi in um, in television. It's just kind of. It's it's got its own kind of um, it's unique for its right, for its time. Its own ambiance. So I mean, it's it's not perfect, but it, it's campy and it's kind of fun. I mean, there's no superhuman powers. There is the power of plot that's involved all the time for sure. But uh, but that's just kind of the nature of the writing of the time. Now this television show um, was obviously in black and white. Now uh, when I say obviously, and the reason I say that is that color television didn't come out until 1951. So <laughs> it could not have been in color yet because it would came out in 1950. So,
1: so question for you then. Um, a lot of the things, like if you look at films or you look at things, you know, I've talked about a lot, World War II stuff. You can watch World War II in color, right? So I guess the question is, how that was mastered as such to get the colors to be accurate to the time.
0: That is a very good question. I have uh, i have my imagination saying that they had some people that were involved, that they just asked a lot of questions. So I um, know you were talking about your buddy. He was dying there on, <laughs> on the battlefield. What color was the blood? Uh, just, I don't know. Reddish. Yeah. Um, the brain matter. Pink? They had been working on artificially colorizing pains back from, you know, early, early film. I mean, Milieu's did it, uh, a French uh, movie maker. Um, and, you know, they would just do it pain by pain. So I don't know if it was really important that it be accurate so much as it be vibrant. Mm, that's true. At least early on. And then they worried about the other. I mean, you... you If you look at the even like the old uh, John Wayne war films, they weren't looking for realism. They were looking for sensationalism. Mm, That's true. So we didn't really get that whole feel for the real until I I feel like it's late 80s, early 90s where it really started to pick up steam. They wanted that real feel. And even then, it was still starting small. It wasn't until like the 2000s. Like, okay, we're doing a period piece. It must be exactly right.
1: Yeah, because that's more uh, Saving Private Ryan, right? Is in that time frame, and and when you saw a movie like Rambo, right, and people got shot or cut or whatever, was that? real? I mean, we don't know. Like, if we watched Apocalypse Now, how real was the the shooting and the explosions and the the death? You know, yeah, like it's hard to say. It's hard to say, but. You're right, the, the sense of ultra-realism, and it has to do with technology, really kind of came into play here in the last 25, 30 years. Right.
0: So if you never saw the original uh, comic strip, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're young, you may not be familiar with what a comic strip is. But we used to have these things called newspapers. And in newspapers, it was a lot of boring things that only adults wanted to read. But occasionally you had to have something fun that wasn't a crossword puzzle. Calvin and Hobbes. Right. So you would have just, uh, depending upon what the day was, you would have either three or six panels. Or if you were lucky and it was a Sunday and you mm. had an entire section that was just all comic strips, everybody had that full six to, to 12 panels and it was just. Fantastic!
1: You had to wait week to week to figure out really nothing because right most of those didn't carry over from the next week.
0: Self-contained, but this was not that way. This was a serialized story, mm-hmm. and it was usually like three panes. So you would go day to day, getting basically no
1: story. <laughs> to in next week for he moved to the next room. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that comic strip. Function. There was always satire, but then it moved to political satire, and that's that's what drove a lot of the popularity for half of those things that were on there. Right from the silly fun to the you know underhanded fun. Yeah, Far Side was a great one, but like single pay,
0: like I said, single single season of this show, not even really a season is eight episodes, so it did not last real long. Um. I I would say that's partly that maybe the audiences were not ready for it, maybe it was partly because it was 1950 and this is sci-fi. It's going to look terrible.
1: You mean the? the didn't he have a? Did he have a backpack? Oh, or like yeah. a like a jetpack? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure it looked great.
0: But yeah, the the leads in this were uh, uh, Robert Pastine played the role of Buck Rogers, uh, and you know a lot of these uh, a lot of these other. Characters were kind of minor characters, for the most part. Uh, Doctor Hewer, Harry Southern.
1: Uh, I've heard of Eva Marie Saint before.
0: Yeah, I mean, some some of these uh, some of these people, and this is something we're not going to get into too much detail. But uh, some of these people are in some major major uh, films down the <laughs> down the road. Like uh, Eva Marie Saint was Martha Kent in Superman Returns. Oh. Okay. So there is a certain certain dedication that i love to see from filmmakers that preserve the actors that were part of these early films based on these comic properties there is a lot of uh keeping keeping it in the family as it were mm-hmm. so it's just just a beautiful thing but uh yeah this didn't have a whole long time if you don't know who robert uh, pastine is don't I don't blame you. Yeah, he was <laughs> not in anything past nineteen sixty four. Um, and so most people are just not gonna be familiar with his stuff. Um, but I mean it was an early instance of a comic strip turned into a television series. Now, of course, this was also in some of the early films too, though we didn't we didn't go over it because it was a comic strip, so we ignored comic strips. But some of the very early films were also Buck Rogers films. So,
1: kind of neat. Something for the people in the 50s to look at and wonder in amazement on their gigantic tube television. <laughs> their 10-inch yeah. television?
0: They all gathered around. Uh, Tell me a story. So yeah, so that was that was one, and then the other that came out in 1950 on the exact same network was Dick Tracy. Mm. Um, now That's big time right there. That is definitely big tra- uh, big time because Dick Tracy. Um, you'll still get people that recognize Dick Tracy nowadays. I mean, it's there's always something about that kind of sort of noir uh, detective story. So I don't know if you were aware of this, but uh Dick Tracy, the character was based on the on the real life uh Elliot Ness.
1: Oh, I see.
0: So I see. if you uh youngins are not familiar with who <laughs> Elliot Ness is, uh he was he was a major lawman that took down organized crime in in Chicago.
1: Uh what's the What's the movie? It's uh, isn't it like Sean Connery and? um,
0: It is, Uh, Costner. Costner,
1: yes. Kevin. Yeah. So, um, the Untouchables. The Untouchables. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So it was uh, uh, Capone. Taking down Capone. Um,
1: Good movie. Was it? Was it accurate? Um, No. No. But it was a good
0: movie. It was very enjoyable. But Dick Tracy uh, has been around like forever. Uh, it came out actually a little after Buck Rogers did. If I remember correctly, uh, it came out in um, 34 uh, in the comic strips. And again, syndicated nationally, just kind of everywhere. And actually, whereas Buck Rogers is not in any comic strips, you can actually still
1: get Dick Tracy comic strips. Hmm. Just probably depends on the media that you're looking at. Right. So but- that was... That was cool. The one thing I get from Dick Tracy, and you'll see comments about it from time to time also, is it, uh, I'll relate this. If you look at uh, Star Trek and people had things in their hands that could control everything and they could look up information like, and oh, my gosh, we can do that now. Well, in Dick Tracy, it was a watch. Right. He had a watch that he could talk to some talk to his partner in crime with. Right. So, um well, obviously, we have watches that do way more than that right now, but I think a lot of the comments if you talk to someone who's older and you show them a watch, if you've got an Apple watch or a Samsung watch that does a lot of things that you could do phone calls on, like eh, just like Dick Tracy, yeah. So, uh, a lot of these ideas kind of if it's silly to think about it, but from the 50s, we're all we're all living in a world where we're using these things that were thought of and created 70 years well more than 70 years
0: ago and it kind of makes sense because these are the things that were out that were inspiring young minds that wanted to invent things and to make things possible and so why not don't tell me no I can't do it of course I can do it I just have to figure out how
1: I see more and more people creating actual real lightsabers yeah they could you know, do a lot of harm and damage. <laughs> I don't know if they could block another lightsaber. It doesn't, uh, doesn't
0: seem to make sense to me. But uh, Plain Clothes Tracy, uh,
1: the original name of Dick Tracy. Plain Clothes Tracy, and he's always in yellow. That doesn't seem very plain clothes to me. No,
0: so that's a little bit weird. So I, I slightly misremember. It was 1931. Uh, Chester Gould was the creator. Chester Gould meant a lot of stuff. If you look at this dude, he had a lot of a lot of uh, comic strip uh, influence but uh the thing that rem- that i found remarkable is so you have these comic strips in order to maintain that that memory you have to create normally in any in any sort of fiction you've got to create the villain that's going to keep you in the mind but i've got three panels how are you going to remember any villain in three panels well okay we're going to give him a giant nose and and uh, we're going to make his name be something about his nose, or
1: his chin is huge, or his forehead. And then he have well, is not there like one that was like hammerhead or something, right. was, Yeah,
0: or no face. Uh, he has no face. Okay,
1: <laughs> I'll remember that. You're, you're right because these panels, um, if you most of them. So if you if you look at a Garfield comic strip, you're seeing all of Garfield, right? Yeah. But if you look at a Dick Tracy, a lot of times you're seeing maybe the waist up, so you're not getting the full the full body view of this. So if someone's in some fancy chair or someone's got some crazy thing that they can do that's on a belt or from their feet, it's just not going to play well on these types of comic strips. So you're right, they had to change... Things on the face.
0: Well, I think it may also partially be to do with since this is based on Elliot Ness, and in the mob everybody's got a nickname already. Well, that's true. So why don't we make the nickname a little more obvious, to, <laughs> so people just uh, just remember? Because that's always what's based on. Your nickname has to do with either something in how you look or something that you did. And so, okay, we'll we'll continue that tradition and just exaggerate. Yeah, that's but. Good. The television show um, actually lasted quite a while, uh, at least for the first iteration of it. It went for three years, um, 48 episodes.
1: Uh, Wow, that's longer than things go today.
0: Yeah. So I I think partially because the episodes were smaller, probably, and I don't think it ever went into color. I think it was always in, um, in black and white. But one of the interesting things about it that I found is that if you look at uh, the the guy that played Dick Tracy, that was Ralph Bird. Uh, now, Ralph Bird didn't just play Dick Tracy in the show. He played Dick Tracy in a lot of the films that came out in the 30s and the 40s.
1: Oh, consistency. Right.
0: So... Uh, and he was in a lot of those those films, you know, whether they were uh, crime films or westerns or whatever. He was he was a big name. Now, as far as I know, he's the only one. Was that?
1: Uh, and he was he died young too.
0: Yeah, he did. So in the fifties, fifty two. So I'm I'm going to wager that's probably why
1: the show stopped. <laughs> that see now we're talking. That's what what made sense.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it's just uh, yeah. I mean it. He was the only real big name that came over from the films. Uh, you had a couple of, uh, you had a couple of, uh, Tess Truehearts, if I remember correctly.
1: Mm, Tess Trueheart. Um, I've got a question. And yes, we're looking at stuff as we talk here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Buck Rogers, for Dick Tracy, how long were these episodes?
0: Uh, generally, uh, about a half an hour.
1: Oh, so like what a traditional sitcom is even yeah. to this day. Yeah.
0: I mean, they, they didn't change it because they had to schedule this stuff. They only had so much time. They knew the news was going to take so much time. They were only on the air before it shut down for so much time because back in the olden days, uh, you mm-hmm.
1: couldn't watch television 24 hours yeah. a day. There wasn't a limitless supply of things to watch. No. They throw up, what, American flag and, you know, play the national anthem, and then it goes to a, a fuzzy screen till 8 o'clock? <laughs> and morning. we
0: just have that 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 squealing kind of, wee <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, prune face.
1: Yes. So. <laughs> Wait, there was, yeah, there's, go up, there was one, uh, The Brain. I yes. I saw someone else on Yes, there, that
0: too. was Lyle Talbot. Um. He was uh, a fairly big actor for the time. Um, he continued to be in, in a bunch of stuff. You'd see him show up in like Green Acres and stuff, if you're familiar with which show that is. But uh, yeah, his his last appearance was in looks like '87. Uh, but he was he was a, a constant presence in just episodic television. He would just show up as a random character
1: here and there. Yeah, Newhart. Who's the boss? Yeah. Those are some good ones right there. 227? What even 227? <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Brings back some memories. Seen elsewhere. Oh, the Dukes of Hazard?
0: Yeah. Back in the Beverly Hillbillies television show. He had a, a recurring character in that. So, yeah, it was uh he was he was in quite a number of different things. Joe Devlin uh played the uh played the sidekick basically. Uh to, um, Dick Tracy in the Sam Ketchum. Um, so I mean it's, these are people that had some significant, uh, significant, uh, roles. But, uh, Angela Green was Tess Trueheart, uh, for the most number of episodes in this. But it was, it was really kind of a, I I think the reason this did a little bit better, it was a more grounded kind of thing. So it's not, maybe people going into the space, it's like, we're getting the bad guys and we have guns mm-hmm. and the occasional technical doodad that will help us get by. Whatever, yeah.
1: like James Bond, like low rent James Bond.
0: Right. And low rent is something that we can really um, empathize with because that's that's our show. 100 uh, percent, which is why we're not going to uh, an episode uh, or a, a commercial trying to sell you anything. We're instead going to talk about our our presence in social media for just a moment please please just listen for a second hey there putting people don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day richard you're most on instagram right on the
1: gram gram yes
0: and what are we best known on instagram as Pudding guys easy enough in fact that's also what we're known as on facebook now i'd say we're on instagram just a little more than we are on facebook you might get the occasional update there we are most active on twitter where we are at real pudding guys Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week when it's released any other little updates to the ultimate comic movie database or the pop culture death counts will also be there Um, Now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the film and television engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Putting guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard?
1: $1 per month. Per month. Not per day. Per month. (sighs) Yes. $12 (laughs) for a year.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's really not much to help support us as we release new content as we get better equipment to release the content into. And when the Fate engine comes out, it will have its own cost. And we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this. And it's going to be so cool. I can't wait for you all to hear about it. And we're back. Did you uh, did you drink your Ovaltine? <laughs> I mean,
1: Ovaltine, Ovaltine wasn't a bad thing. No, it wasn't. Was it better than Nesquik? No, not even close. Ah, oh, gosh. So yeah, a powder like you. You remember the Nesquik, right? Oh yeah. So like there was this big oval st- metal opening tin. on the top. Yeah, yep. like the metal tin is this big rectangular tin, and you it had a seal on the top that you just kind of pulled back the sticker from, right? And then well, no, yeah, it had that, but there there was a metal. A uh, lid, let's call it, insert that went into the can, and so you had to take a spoon and dig down into the can and scrape the metal as you went down and came out. It's memories.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it was good stuff. I I drank a lot of that uh, chocolate milk. That was just mm, good. Anyway, so uh, back from the memories of two old dudes talking, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about other old stuff. Uh, tang, right? Uh, yeah, not quite. No, we're not not, not quite to that. Time, no, we're not good. quite to not quite to Tang. But so we finished 1950. Going into 1951, there was only a single uh, show. Well, okay. So technically, you know, Dick Tracy followed into 1951 for its next season.
1: Yeah, 52 maybe. Right. I had you th- said three seasons. Right? Uh,
0: three years. Yeah. So, um, but the only newly released. Uh, television show based on a comic strip or comic book that came out in 1951 was called The Harvey Tunes Show. It was an animated series. Now, this is, this is an area where there, you know, we talked about there's uh, not a common agreement about what the first movie is and all that sort of thing. There could be some disagreement on this particular item as to whether it counts as being based on a comic strip. So it has stuff like Casper the Friendly Ghost in it. Uh, And there's a ton of Casper the Friendly Ghost comics. But technically, the cartoon was first. And then you've got Baby Huey. You remember Baby Huey, right? Giant Duck.
1: Mm, yes, I've heard of Baby Huey, and when you said it immediately, I was like, I don't remember, and you, and you say, Duck, yes, I
0: remember. Yeah, so Duck in a the giant baby diaper that's, you know, dumber in a box of rocks. There was even a movie, uh, I think it might have been a direct-to-video, Baby Huey live-action film. Take a look at that if you ever want to laugh. But, <laughs> again, Baby Huey, the comic, was technically released the same year as the cartoon, but the cartoon preceded it by six months. So still not based on a comic. So the only reason that I'm basing this particular one in this way is one of the characters that had its own uh, cartoon was Little Audrey. So Little Audrey is just a little girl that got into trouble. You know, just kind of that's the simple premise, adorable, fun stuff. Now Little Audrey was also a cartoon before it was ever a comic, but... The only reason Little Audrey exists is because of Little Lulu. It was uh, their attempt to be able to use the Little Lulu character without the rights to the Little Lulu character, which was based on a comic strip from the 30s. Is very obviously based on that. So that's why I include that here.
1: So you're cheating is what you're saying.
0: I am definitely not cheating because this was clearly based on a comic strip but only one character from one of the cartoons in the entire show.
1: And this is where we got Casper the Friendly Ghost from?
0: Uh, that, Yeah, that's Harvey Tunes, man. Wow. Yeah. So the first uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost um, comic came out in 1952. So again, it came out like a year after the cartoons were released.
1: And we're still going strong with Casper. I'm pretty sure there's something new that's out that's... Casper related. I can't remember what it is though. Yeah, I
0: wouldn't be surprised. All CGI, all horrifyingly awful. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> should do that as a
1: horror film. That would be so
0: cool. They're doing Winnie the Pooh. Why uh, Winnie the Pooh? Why not do Casper? Mm. Um, but so yeah. So anyway, um, it's really kind of an interesting thing. They're they're vignettes. So unlike other shows where it's here's the plot from point A to point B, it's like you're watching Tom and Jerry or uh, Mary Medley's. It's a bunch of individual cartoons that are kind of mushed together. There's like 156, 158 of them they made for the multiple seasons that this exists. And in fact, if you try and look this up on IMDb, the only Harvey Tunes show you will find is Casper and Friends from 1990, but that's not the earliest version. They actually released it sooner.
1: So, where can you find... Harvey
0: tunes. If you look on DVDs, I mean, uh, it's still they're still selling this stuff. It's not easiest thing in the world to find. I don't I don't think I've seen it on any streaming services or anything. Admittedly, I've not looked for it either. Correct. But uh, I would be really surprised if there weren't Blu-rays or DVDs of these old episodes. Just like here's every one that we ever made in one disc. Amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all on one DVD. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that one was. I believe um, also ABC, if I remember correctly, I don't I don't 100 percent remember that
1: one ABC.
0: So yeah, not that it really matters. back then, there were only like three channels anyway, so it had to be <laughs> had to be on one of them.
1: Now I will say growing up, I only had access to like seven channels, so it didn't change much for me.
0: There you go, it looks like the broadcast history it's on. you can find it on NTV present day. I'm really not sure what NTV is.
1: Nuss. Jakarta. Oh, an Indonesian uh, private channel. Yeah. Okay.
0: The last time it was on a United States channel was Retro TV in
1: 2014. Well, must be a hot item in Indonesia, I guess. Yeah, I
0: guess. Uh, uh, well, maybe maybe they're like other markets where there's just not much there. Um I would explain more about this series, but literally little girl that gets into trouble. That's pretty much it. There's really nothing to nothing to say. It's early animation. So um yeah, we're just gonna go to the next one. Uh, that'll take us to 1952. Uh 1952, uh, I don't know which one do I want to do first. I know which one I, I want to end strong. So we're gonna do we're gonna do one that had a series of movies that came out in I believe the 20s if I'm remembering correctly but actually got its own television series uh in 1952 uh it's called Terry and the Pirates Terry and the Hendersons yeah Terry and the Pirates is a um is another based on a comic strip um so um Terry and the Pirates is, you know, we were talking earlier about the, the I- impression that current politics can have on everything that's going on. Uh, well, not even just current politics, but just world events. This is kind of one of those things because Terry uh, is a, an adventurer, a seeker of, of fortunes and, and treasures, and he decides to go to China. To, to find treasure. And he has some very questionably named friends <laughs> that help him along the way. Uh, are those the pirates? No, those are not the pirates. Um, so I'm trying to remember. So 1940, that was the that was the first film that came out of it, but this came out later. But so it was originally a Chicago Tribune strip, and it was eventually syndicated all over the place uh, by Milton Kniff. Um, so it's, it's really kind of an interesting, an interesting thing, uh, to just kind of see how everything, um, changes over the years. But, uh, yeah, he has all sorts of, uh, friends that, uh, try and help him out. Um, but like I said, I, I don't really want to talk about most of their names. (laughs) There's only one I'm going to bring up and that's, if you've ever heard of somebody being called... Uh, a dragon lady, this is kind of where that's from. So uh, a villain that turned into an ally down the road Mm -hmm. was the dragon lady. Um. (laughs) Big
1: big stoop.
0: (laughs) It's Captain Judas. Cheery blaze, Chopstick Joe. I mean. Hey, cue ball's not bad. I wonder if he was bald. Why is he called Chopstick Joe, do you ask? Doesn't take much imagination. What about the last one, Dude Hennick? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things. But uh, again, it was just it, it was a simple kind of forgettable. I don't want to say it's forgettable because at the time it probably wasn't. But for like us coming from our time frame, and well, what what can he do? Well, he's got a sword
1: sometimes he's got a, he's got a bro it's called dude
0: <laughs> it's just like it's like well what, he's just getting getting lost and having people helping him find place there's there's not much to it um uh, now terry and the pirates uh was another black and white television show and this was released on wabd tv in new york for a single season of 18 episodes um and again, kind of short episodes for the most part. You just didn't uh, didn't need those longer longer ones. But it had, uh, see that Lyle Talbot that we talked about on the previous? He showed up in this show too. Clyde Thompson. Right. Um, Phyllis Coates shows up in this for a single episode. Phyllis Coates becomes important because she's going to be in the next show that we're going to talk about. But we'll get to that. <laughs> but you see a lot of the same kind of actors show up in a lot of these shows but it was John Bear that played Terry Lee the, the, the main the main uh, character in this and he's just kind of your standard all-American looking dude um, so not much to it I'd like to say there's a lot to it but I mean he didn't uh, do a lot after this I and mean, he showed up in a handful of, of things uh, Jack Ritson that played uh, Chopstick Joe was kind of, uh, um, he'd he'd just, again, show up in a bunch of shows in small parts. Now, the one thing that I did find interesting, you know, I talked about the Dragon Lady, that was played by Gloria Saunders. Um, Now, Gloria Saunders was in a lot of television. So imagine it's 1950s America run by basically a bunch of white dudes. And we need to have an exotic, ethnic individual. Who do we call? Well, we call Gloria Saunders because she has played uh, a Chinese person. She has played uh, a, a Latina. She has played—basically, if we vaguely need to have some sort of ethnicity that's not your average white dude, they, they called her in and— And she did it, so I mean you can kind of see in her face, her face shapes a little different. Uh, So, in
1: from South Carolina, by the way,
0: right? As early audiences, so you know what do they know? But (laughs) it's just kind of seeing seeing that she shows up as we need somebody ethnic. It just it was really kind of an odd thing to run into. Uh, I guess that happened a lot. At one point, but uh, you know what was it uh, the the Indian in the in the commercial, uh, the Native American, I should say, in the commercial, don't litter was you know like an Italian dude.
1: That's true. <laughs> Who could cry on command,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, it's just kind of they would they would just it didn't matter that it just can you can you look vaguely whatever, and they would just put somebody in, and it's just I'm glad that's changing a little bit now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she was in The Range Rider as Consuela Lewis.
0: <laughs> and Sparkling Brook*. So she played a Native American mm. in that, show, in that as show as well. Oh, that's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> or just Indian girl. <laughs> it's just kind of, all right. Uh, yeah, that was Terry and the Pirates. Carney girl. Well, they, they all look kind of weird. Yeah. So, I, so I've been told in
1: many jokes over the years. Um, but now we have come to our final
0: presentation. That's right. Our final entry from 1952. This show lasted for a while until it just came to a dead end. Um, Was that, that a pun? That's morbidly funny <laughs> for those of you already in the know. Um, In 1952, we had The Adventures of Superman, (laughs) so uh, everybody knows who Superman is by this point, but if you need any sort of uh, a memory uh, tickling, it's a a DC comic book (laughs) that was by Joe Shuster and Jerry Siegel uh, that first appeared back in 1938, so it didn't predate the show by a whole lot. But uh, it had already had some appearances in uh, short films of the time, Uh, uh, specifically the serialized films. Mm, So the 1952 television show started in black and white, but eventually uh, changed over to color in 1955. Uh, so it got kind of in the middle of that. There were several shows that were really popular that had long uh, runs that started in black and white and went over to color. But this was uh, uh, another show that was on ABC. It's kind of amazing. Like I said, you only have three uh, channels, but ABC was one of the the early adopters of shows based on comic properties. They uh, knew what they were doing. But the, the lead in this was uh, George Reeves. So there were several Reeves. Uh, and if you talk to some older people, they'll, they'll talk about the curse of Superman, which doesn't exist anymore because it was a stupid idea to begin with. But if you played Superman, something always horrible was going to befall you. And there's been so many people that played Superman that that, that hasn't happened. Shows like, no, it's just an unfortunate run of luck. Yeah. But uh, George Reeves was in all of the episodes. They had uh, – well, almost – all the episodes they had 108 episodes uh over at six seasons that's a lot yeah quite quite a lot um uh unfortunately george reeves did commit suicide uh that was why you know that uh he really couldn't do anything uh past that point now there's some interesting behind the scenes stuff some um some affairs and such that I'm not really going to get into that were that were the talk of the time as well.
1: Isn't there a a feature film or maybe a made for TV film that goes into the specifics of his oh, life yeah. and career like more recent too if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, it's 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 some interesting stuff and you will see some people that were in the show that again because it's kind of in the family you see them show up again and again. So you got Jack Larson, that is Jimmy Olsen, plays that role, and he kept acting for quite some time after he shows up in Lois and Clark: The Adventures of Superman. He shows up in Superman Returns. Uh, so it's it's just kind of kind of one of those uh, funny things. If you want to know who he was in Superman Returns, that came out in two thousand six, he was Bo the bartender. So maybe not a big part exactly, but they it's like hey, you were important. We want you in this film. Yeah, bring him back. And uh, he was actually Jimmy Olsen in Adventures of Lois and Clark, an older version. Yeah, old Jimmy Olsen. But uh, so that, that was kind of neat. And they did uh, similar things for like uh, uh, Noel Neal. Now, this is an interesting thing Noel Neal played Lois, but she was only one of two actresses. So they split. The first couple of seasons was actually Phyllis Coates. I talked about we were going to get back to her. Yeah. So she was she was Lois for the first two seasons of this show, uh, until it switched over to uh, Noelle, who finished out the rest of them. Uh, but so Noelle shows up in Superman Returns. Kind of amazing how that As happens.
1: Gertrude.
0: But she did. She did. Uh, versions of Lois and a bunch of different stuff where she was in uh, other there's a Superman or Superboy television series in 91 that we'll eventually talk about where she had just a single single role in it you know just kind of a an interesting thing she was in the Superman film in 1978 as Ella Lane uh, which I believe was Lana's mom
1: Lana's mom
0: or sorry my brain turned off. I meant Lois's mom. Lois' mom, um, uncredited. Uh, yeah. So just kind of, kind of an interesting thing that uh, that you see there. But uh.
1: now, if we go back to the main body of the of the show, mm-hmm. and we see a lot of these characters that are on here, you know, one thing that I'm not seeing on here are. Bad guys. Or bad guys that we know today as Superman bad guys. Well, and you
0: you would see them, but you just wouldn't see them often. You would see them like for a single episode. Now, first of all, part of the problem that they had with this particular show is it's 1952. What can Superman do? Everything. What could they show? Nothing. So he just had to beat up dudes with guns.
1: No, no uh, laser eyes?
0: I don't remember if I ever saw him use the heat vision in the show. I don't. I don't know if they did. I, I think they might have done some cheap trick at one point where they didn't really actually show. It's like, oh look, yes, I melted this when you weren't looking. It's been a little while since I've seen the show, so it's it's a little foggy to me at this point. But uh, and I did not watch the entire series because I like um, my sanity. I don't think <laughs> yeah. I could get through it all. Um, but but. I got the gist of it, and it's and it can't be because it had to be. And there just yeah. wasn't much they could do, yeah. But it had a certain allure because of that, just a, a certain charm that was that was early television. They did what they could to try and tell the story, but yeah, you weren't going to see him pick up a car. Just wasn't going to happen. You would see him like bend a, a metal rod because you know it's it starts as black and white TV. You don't know what that rod's made of. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We're telling you it's metal because it's metal. You know, that sort of stuff. But uh it was it was just cheesy and fun. Um but yeah, so it's it's really kind of um if you haven't seen it, it's worth just seeing like an episode or two.
1: Just so you get an idea what was popular back in fifty two. Right. The most popular of the ones we've discussed, basically.
0: Now, here's another connection that's pretty funny. So, Noel Neal played Ella Lane in the Superman movie. She was the second Lois Lane in the show. The first Lois Lane, Phyllis Coates, played a similarly named character in... um, um, My brain's turning off there. She was in... um, Something else. uh, Lois and Clark. Sorry.
1: So, Ellen Lane.
0: Right. So again, just paying tribute to the people that kind of came before. I always love when I see that sort of thing. But uh yeah, the original show was kind of kind of cheesy, but fun. Not much to not much to say about it, but it managed to garner enough interest that it lasted 6 seasons.
1: Popular for its time and maybe one of the most popular at the time.
0: Oh, most certainly. But uh so that's that is early Comic television. I mean, you got one that was actually based on a comic book with Superman. The rest of them are all based on comic strips, um, because they're still it's still early TV. It's it's going to be a little while before they can pull off some of the some of the special effects and some of the other things that are necessary to actually ben. make things work. I mean, just just go back to the uh, Christopher Reeves Superman films that happened in the 70s and the 80s, and those effects were by today's standards, just god awful,
1: but at the time, it's pretty dope,
0: right? And much, much more than they could do, and stuff like this, so they could actually venture into some of those more difficult villains that uh, you would normally be able to see.
1: I feel like in terms of um, cheesy, campy, comic booky, science fictiony, but with really bad special effects. I always think of the original uh, Doctor Who. Oh yeah. And that might have been the time frame where they were really starting to do more of those types of things on TV shows.
0: That early stuff was right around the time there was a really cheesy looking uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy show too. So same kind of same kind of thing. It was just it was
1: really low budget, but
0: or at least it felt like it was low budget. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it could have been like humongous budget. Right. We'll give you a thousand dollars to make this episode.
0: But you know, uh, that's that's the beginning. Like I said, did we miss anything? Did we did we pass over a show that you felt was based on a comic strip or a comic book or something of that nature? Let us know. We told you how to get a hold of us in our little pseudo commercial thing.
1: <laughs> six months strong. That's right. That's hey, right. We're gonna do that for six months.
0: Yeah, we're, we're going to have to. We're going to have to switch that out. We keep saying that, we haven't done it yet. What's this time thing that we're supposed to be able to have once in a while to to finish some of these projects? A time machine. That's what we need. Uh, but until next time, keep watching uh, those TV shows and enjoy the absolute cornucopia of product based on these comic books and comic strips because we just have so much good stuff nowadays.